as you look this morning, uh, today's message is, is titled The Rise Joshua Generation. Last week was, was the message was Joshua Generation, and today the emphasis and importance of what we're going to be talking about this morning is the need for the need for a revival and the need and the understanding for us to uh, recognize that it is it is a time for change and given this current world and environment that we're in um, and for a brief interjection I would like to say this on on Friday when the president uh, got up and and spoke to the nation addressed the nation and he said that uh, he deemed churches essential and he said that there are governors out there that, that have placed them way back at the back of the list. Uh, I can tell you guys, you know, from, from my standpoint, from a pastor's standpoint, uh, that, was, that was huge to hear a president. I mean, he stood in the gap and, and proclaimed the importance. Now, he did it equally across the board. He covered synagogues, churches, as well as mosques. But in that, included in that, are churches, and that's us. And so... What we're seeing right now, and I know some of you, uh, if you're given to, to social media and things like that, you already see that the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, our liberal court here in the state, has upheld the governor's stay-at-home order and not allowing them. So what, what basically what you're seeing is, is the president, what he did on Friday was apply pressure to the states. And he, he politically painted some folks into a corner. So how are you going to get out of this without looking like a villain, right? How are you going to get out of this without looking bad? And so what we'll see, I think, that we, we should start to see is uh, some of these governors, particularly hopefully ours, uh, feel a little bit of that pressure um, and watch them move churches back up into phase two, which is where they should have been in the beginning, at least. And... There's even non-religious, not overly religious people that when you talk about it uh, to them, they're like, yeah, I don't think that's right. You know, if you can go to Walmart and go to liquor stores and you can go to all these different places, conduct business, be around all kinds of random people, and you can't go to church, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, right? And so... Um, especially once we move further into phase two and, and then restaurants started to open up, right? So you're like, wait, so I can go in and get Mexican food, but I can't sit and listen to a message preached without having the fear of, of being cited or, you know, worst case scenario, arrested. Obviously, I don't think we'd be arrested in the state, but for sure we could be cited and things like that. And so, you know, it, it's just one of those things. So it was, it was a great thing to watch the president say it. As a matter of fact, I watched it and I paused it and I was like, wow, that is, that was tremendous. Um, and you know, it was, it was something that, you know, you just look at it and you're like, I can't believe that I would ever hear a sitting president say it so clearly and so bluntly. I'm not always a fan of how he says things. Believe me. Well, I was a big fan of the way he said what he said on Friday, an absolute big fan. And you know, you, it's just an amazing thing to, to see. And so we're in a, in a present time and a present age in our culture and in our country where you look at that and go, wow, it took a president to say those things. And so that's going to hopefully push, push, uh, push some of the governors, hopefully ours, push our governor into you know, a little bit of logic and say, hey, you need to, you need to start loosening the things up here. There are also a band of, of 
pastors and things like that in the state of California that have um, sued, you know, and, and lawsuit. And that actually is what the Ninth, Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals actually ruled on. It wasn't a ruling against the president. This is where, this is where social media can be very misleading, okay? The article that you say, well, see, it's, it's in defiance of the president. It's actually not. That lawsuit was already filed with those group of pastors, okay? It's spin. It's political spin. Now, you, some of you might go, well, what do you mean? It's, it's conservative political spin. They wanted to tie that right to what the president said. It's not in contradiction with the president said. That was actually a lawsuit that's already been in place that they've actually filed. They ruled on that lawsuit. Coincidentally, the president came out on Friday and had his address, okay? But... Again, I only share that with you guys because you got to do a little research. you got to read them things for yourself, okay? I, that's another subject for another day. There's a whole culture out there that, that we got to be real careful with. But that, all that said, it is, it is an interesting time. It is a time which, which we can find ourselves in, in, in a unique position to where we can serve God we can, there will be a renewed interest amongst people to want to serve God because they'll feel as though that they have been limited, that they have been told that you cannot do that. And, and there is an opportunity in that and where we can, we can tap into that within ourselves and use that motivation and use that as an opportunity to be all the more vigorous to share the gospel with people. It's an opportunity where, where they wouldn't otherwise listen, but now they are because... Nobody, especially an American, likes to be told what to do. We really, if you're red-blooded American, you really don't like the government telling you what to do. So there's a lot of folks out there that are looking at all the things that are going on today. There's a huge portion of people out there going, I, I don't like it for the simple fact that you're telling me I have to do this. Ties into our rebel blood, right? So there's a balance. There's a balance between rebellion and there's a balance of disobedience. You go, what do I mean? Well, it puts us in a precarious situation where, where you look at it and you go, look, the Constitution tells us we have the right to assemble. Does it not? But our own governor has told us that you can't. Last time I checked, the Constitution supersedes state law. But now what do we have? A fight. That's what it is, a fight. We got lawyers and judges, all kinds of different people looking, looking to figure it all out. Well, at the end of all of it, it's going to shake out that our Constitution stands. They're not going to change the Constitution. We spent a bunch of money, billions of dollars, and all these other kind of things for it to come down to the ultimate reason that we, we separated from, from England and, and, and Britain and all the other things that went along with that, right? Is We're going to reside right back to where we do have the freedoms to do these things. There may come a time in this country that we won't. I don't think it's now. That's just my personal opinion as I see things. In the 85th Psalm, in verse 1 in the 85th Psalm, go ahead and turn there with me. This is a new, uh, this time, this day and age, the present day and age in our country and and what we're doing, there is an absolute opportunity for there to be a revival amongst God's people. In the 85th Psalm, or 85th Psalm verse 1, it says, O Lord, you showed 
favor to your land. You restored the captivity of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sin. You withdrew all your fury. You turned away from your burning anger. Restore us, O God of our salvation, and cause your indignation toward us to cease. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not yourself revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? And the parallel for us today is, 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 is very similar for us because we look at it and we go, hey, we can use this. They say, say, this lockdown thing is so horrible. I feel like I'm being oppressed. Okay, and you're right. And that's probably a, a good way of looking at it. You know, it's a fair way of looking at it. But you're not a victim. Okay, I refuse to be a victim. And see, we sit back sometimes. We go, oh, you know, woe is us. Feel bad for me. Feel bad for me because churches are being, you know, the churches are being uh, 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 discriminated against. Oh, poor us. Poor us. You know, the forefathers of the gospel never complained. They were flogged. They were beaten. They were shipwrecked. They were sent to all ends of the earth. So what did they do? They continued to spread the gospel undeterred, unmoved. So we could sit back and go, and, and this is where a lot of God's churches you sit back and they go, oh, well, you know, poor us, poor us. No, revive us again. This is an opportunity for us. It's the exact opposite. You sit back and say, oh, poor us. Or we'll say, no. Not poor us. I'm not going to sit back on my laurels and sit back and watch all this stuff happen. We're going to preach the gospel even harder. If it means imprisonment, let's go. If it means someone citing us, let's go. For the sake of the gospel. Now, that doesn't mean you go up to the state capitol and poke the bear. That's not what I'm saying. Okay? But what I am saying is, is that... Listen, all these things, these circumstances that we find ourselves in, we are not victims. They are opportunities. They are opportunities for us as Christians to sit back and go, Lord, cause this to be a revival for people. There are people, just like I said, in the holiday time, there's lots of times that people will listen. They'll hear the name of Jesus Christ when they otherwise wouldn't. This is the time right now. There must be an awakening amongst God's people to say, no. You must look at some of the things that have transpired in the last eight weeks. A little bit of fear, a little bit of fear caused people to willingly give up their freedoms. They handed them over in mass. See, we, we look at this and we go, oh, you know, it's kind of a, you know, when the Lord returns, I'm going to be ready. I'm going to tell you what I just saw in the last eight weeks. The vast majority of people will not be ready when the Lord returns because there's a bunch of people getting loaded into boxcars. Because they said it was good for us. I am a naturally suspicious guy. Sometimes I do wear a foil hat. I will be the first one to tell you that. But what scares me the most is that an overwhelming amount of Christians voluntarily gave up their rights. Say, well, it's disobedience when you guys meet. No, it's not. The Constitution tells us we can do this. 
But there's a lot of people out there. I'll say this. There's a lot of folks in a lot of churches out there. Guess what happened? You know those small business loans that are out there that the government was giving away? Guess who qualified for those small business loans? Guess. I know of churches in this town that got small business loans. So guess what they're not really interested in doing? Protesting against it. Why? Because they got money for it. They qualified for small business loans. So you don't want to bite the hand that feeds you, so to speak. We didn't take no small business loan. Didn't even cross my mind. Matter of fact, I was flabbergasted when I heard churches were out there going and getting these small business loans. You took that small business loan as a church. You take those things. You ain't got no room to say nothing against what's going on right now. You're on their payroll. That's how that works. If you take their money, guess what? They own you. Just like the debtor owns the debtee, right? That's how that works. Someone's in your pocket, they get to say what it is. Someone's buying you stuff or they're, for, they're affording you something. I don't like the way they treat me. Stop giving them the opportunity to own you then. Because that's what's happened. And that's what's happened to us as a nation, as a culture. You look at this. Now, will this be the end of all of us? No, this is not a doomsday message. This is not a doomsday type thing that I'm saying. All I'm saying is that this was a case study, brethren. This is a case study for when the Lord does return. This is a case study that you look at and go, if we are Christians, if we believe in God, is your faith shaken by a sickness? Right now, people are telling you, oh, you're so selfish for wanting to go out and do these things. That's what, that's what it is. You know, that's selfishness and your freedoms are selfish. All this other, it's a twisting of the words and it's a, it's, a, it's a perversion of actually what happens. Look, you can look at the numbers. They refuse to look at the numbers, by the way, as a whole. You look at the numbers. It is adversely affecting nursing homes. Hey, you know there are certain states that decided to take sick people and put them in nursing homes? And we're one of them? Guess who was the first one to do it? New York. Catching a lot of heart, heartache for that right now. So wait a second. We're supposed to protect our most vulnerable, but you stuck all the sick people in there. That makes no sense. Not very bright in my personal opinion, but again, I'm not privy to all the information and all the data, right? So I'll give that as a caveat, but it really doesn't sound that bright. But we definitely do, I'll say this, need to be protecting the people within our communities that are the most susceptible. I do agree with that. Immune compromised, 70 plus years old. You look at the numbers and the people that die from this are very, they're, they're in their 70s, right? And, and actually even 80s. And so you look at that, you go, hmm, those are the people that we need to focus our effort. Not healthy people. But yeah, here we are. You look at that, you go, well, that's just unfair. No, brethren, it's an opportunity for a revival. It's an opportunity for us to go, nope. Here's our opportunity. Here's, here's the avenue through which we will take. Here's the avenue in which we will be invigorated to continue to preach and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we don't stand down when someone tells us to do these things. No, the gospel must be preached. It 
some of the narratives now that say, well, a lot of the outbreaks are coming from churches. Oh, okay. Compliments of your, your mainstream media, right? And things like that. You look at that, you're just like, that's just, it's just horrible that they do these things. In Haggai chapter 1, Bible app's taking a long time to open. Don't know why. Haggai chapter 1. Now, this is I've been studying Danny and Daniel in the 70 weeks, and it's been an interesting study. And really, from a historical standpoint, it's really kind of interesting. I almost wanted to talk about it today, but there's a whole lot of information. I've got to break it down to where uh, it's, it's not too overwhelming sometimes. So, But in Haggai chapter 1, it says, In the second year of Darius the king, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, this people says, The time has not come, even the time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, It is time for you yourselves to dwell in your panel. Is it time for you to dwell in your paneled houses while, this ha while his house, or this house, lies desolate? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much, but harvest little. You eat, but there's not enough to be satisfied. You drink, there's not enough to become drunk. You put on clothing, but no one is warm enough. And he who earns, earns wages to put into the purse with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains, bring wood, and rebuild the temple, that I may be pleased with it and be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, but behold, it comes to little. When you bring it home, I will blow it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house, which lies desolate, while each of you runs to his own house. Therefore, because of you, the sky has withheld its dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. I called for a drought on the land, on the mountains, on the grain, on the new wine, on the oil, on the ground of produces, uh, on what the ground produces, sorry, on men, on cattle, and all the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the son, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God with the words of Haggai, the prophet, as their God had sent them. And, and the people showed reverence for the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke by the commission of the Lord, and people saying, I'm with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day in the sixth month in the second year of Darius the king. There was an awakening 
amongst God's people, wasn't there? There was a warning. See, listen, there isn't a single one of us in here that doesn't have the, that present opportunity with this. You say, well, is it bad to be working on your house? Is it bad to be building on, uh, taking care of yourself? No, it's not at all. But if that's all you do, if all you do is pay attention to what's going on in your home and not what goes on in the church and not have a concerted effort to say, hey, I'm bought into all this. I want to help. I want, to, I want to put my hand to a hammer. I want to put my hand to a saw. I want to do something about it. Hey, guess what? This thing applies, doesn't it? The scripture applies. You look at it and you go, well, wait a minute. They were more concerned about their homes. They lived in panel houses, but the house of the Lord was in disrepair. You go, well, this, this building's in pretty good shape. It's not talking about the physical building today, brethren. I'm talking about the body of Christ. You look at the state of, of churches in California and the churches that we run in. If you can't say this doesn't apply, you got your head in the sand. If you can't honestly look at ourselves with a little bit of introspective viewpoint and say that we were headed for this direction, that we, we don't understand what the scripture is trying to help us understand. You have to wake up and go, hey, we have a personal responsibility to contribute to the work of the Lord. And sometimes it causes us to be awakened. It causes a revival to take place. And that's the, the current day and age, brethren. We have to take that as an opportunity presented to us. We have been told for eight weeks that you cannot meet. Now you can. Well... And it's still being fought between the governments. But now you can according to the president. Are we going to be invigorated? Or are we going to slide just right back into what we've always done? You see, that's what I, I would hate for us to do is, as, as God's people is not recognize the, the, the wonderful gift that we've been given. Where you look at it and go, listen, we could go right back to what we did and say, well, what, what we did wasn't so bad. Have you looked at the pro, you know, what we've been producing, right? The production, money just doesn't go far enough. Crops don't yield its, its benefit like it should. Well, what's the parallel to all that? You look at the, the parallel to all that is not necessarily, obviously, none of us in here are farmers, right? So you look at that and you go, well, what does that mean? Well, our efforts and the work that we've been putting in have not been yielding the, the, the produce like it should, Maybe it's because we're focused in the wrong area. Maybe instead of putting God first in our lives, we put ourselves first. We put our own interests above the interests of our own God. And he doesn't reward that. Now, he'll reward your life better than you could ever figure out a way to do. But you have to put him first. You put him first... He'll take care of the rest. But Haggai, as it says there in verse 14, it says, Stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, and the spirit of Je uh, Joshua, the son of Jehoshaphat, stirred up their spirit. Brethren, let this be an opportunity for our spirit to be stirred up. Not diminished, not angered, Listen, we, like I said, recognize the opportunity 
and the renewal that we have been provided given these last eight weeks. These last eight weeks, do you want to slide back in to the old way of doing things or do you want to roll into it invigorated and enlivened and impassioned about serving God and spreading his gospel? Because you look at all those things, like I said, we voluntarily gave so many things up, just handed it over. And there's millions, of, this is a case study. Millions of people would have been loaded onto boxcars under the guise because the government said it was the right thing to do. If you don't see that, you've got your head in the sand. That is the truth. It's scary. Use it as an opportunity to go, oh, this happens again. I'm not going to approach it that way. This happens again. Or maybe look at it and say, no. I'm going to put my faith and trust in God, not what the government says. Currently, just so you all know, currently our health and well-being is being governed by the media and by politicians, neither of which are qualified to do. But that's what's being governed right now. None of it. None of them are qualified. But we voluntarily gave that up. So what can we do? As faithful servants of the Lord, you go, hmm, I learned something from this. This is creating an opportunity, right? It's created, and hopefully it's, it's stirred our spirits with, within us to say, no, 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 not again. I'm not going to approach that like this again. It, this, is, this, is, this is an opportunity. And you can recognize that there's a bunch of people out there right now that are willing to listen to the gospel that is being preached. I hope there's other people out there that you, that you can encounter and you can talk to and say, hey, listen. This is we gotta go down. We gotta go down fighting. You go. What do you mean? We're supposed to be no. We have constitutional rights. It's just like when when Paul was being arrested, right? And remember that one time he was about to be stretched out and flogged. He says, "I'm a Roman citizen," and they said, "Whoa, wait a minute. We can't do this to him." That's right. Now the day they change our constitution and the day they do those things, that's another story. But understand that falling blindly to these things in mass is not where we need to be. Look where it got us as a nation and as a people and as a state. It's not the right place. We have to learn from these. We have to understand and, and grasp a hold of the gift that's been given to us. May it be a renewal and a rejuvenation in our service to God to remember it is nothing more clear to me than you go that he is in control. And when man gets in, it gets and steps in there and says, let me help you, guess what happens? Messes it all up. And it's turned into so many different things. It's morphing into so many different things in this country right now. It was At first it was flatten the curve, right? Now we flatten the curve. Now it's the second wave. Well, wait, but, but I thought, I thought we were supposed to get through this and now we're... No, 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 it's the second wave. Now it's a vaccine, right? No, you gotta wait till you got a vaccine. You gotta wait till you got all these other kind of things. You gotta, now you gotta wear a face mask. You got people driving around with face masks in their own car. I saw somebody wearing a full-on face shield. Face shields are designed for projectiles. There is a specific hazard related to face shields. Unless someone is actively spitting in your face, 
They do you no good. Because the virus and the, the boogies and the cooties, they go underneath that said face mask. And they go into your nasal passage and all that. You look at that and you go, what do you mean? I'm not criticizing that individual. Please don't. I see that as a representation of the fear that has permeated people's lives. And they actually feel safer with something that has nothing to do with the virus. Nothing. The face shield does you absolutely zilch. But they wear them. Because... They have instilled fear into our hearts. And that fear has overridden our fear of our God. We now fear a virus more than we fear God. That's the state in which we live in. So what do we do? Use the opportunity that's presented to us. Recognize that there's plenty of people out there. I am not saying, I'm not an advocate for run, people running around licking door handles, okay? I don't think that's a good idea. So there's, there's extremes in all this, right? You can say, well, I don't even think it's real. Okay, well, that's a little far. I think it's real. I don't think you need to be going around licking toilet seats either, right? It's a bad idea. Well, I'm just saying, I've seen it. So... <laughs> But, but, you know, you need to exercise precautions. You need to understand all that. We, we also need to remember that our God is in control of all this. Yes, wash your hands more. Yes, if you're sick, stay home. Yes, if you're, you know, all the things, all the, the, actually the initial precautions, I think, are the most effective precautions. Just so you know, the initial ones that they provided. Wash your hands I think that we would see a tremendous amount if you could just get people to wash their hands effectively and properly. Properly, it would be amazing. Yeah, you put your hand. You know all the things that they said, right? All those that those initial things. I think those are still the best things available to us. The face mask, face shields, the plexiglass at all the restaurants, and all these other kind of things that you're seeing is full blown hysteria. It's panic. It's been incited in people. And it's, it's not, it's just difficult to, to, to stop once it starts. It's like an avalanche. It just keeps going and builds and builds and builds. And next thing you know, you're like, well, how did we end up here? Right? But may it be a renewal for us. May it be an opportunity for us to recognize that, that God has, has presented a unique opportunity <clears throat> for us to be Strengthen and enliven the 119th Psalm. I am a big proponent if somebody does not feel safe going out and doesn't want to be in public environments, I fully support people that want to do that. And the premise is, is that I think that we should have the right and the choice as U.S. citizens to make that determination for ourselves. It's my personal opinion. As, an, as, as I understand things, that as it falls within the uh, Constitution and our rights that are afforded to us as U.S. citizens. And so, 119th Psalm in, in verse 25. says, My soul cleaves to the dust. Revive me according to your word. 
says, I have told of my ways, you have answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts, so that so I will meditate on your wonders. And that, that this time and this present day and age is, is something that we must we must always remember that it's not our own way, but it's God's way. We need to we need to rely upon him as it says there, I've I've told my ways, you've answered me, teach me your statutes. Tell me what your word says. Let me prioritize my life according to your gospel message, according to the words that are found in your book. In Jonah chapter 3, book of Jonah is is something that that I find amazing and it and very applicable to us in today's day and age because it kind of goes along with what Sister Beth was saying earlier too in her before her special but in verse 1 we'll get to that here in just a minute in Jonah chapter 3 and verse 1 it says now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying arise Go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim uh, to it the proclamation which I'm going to tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was exceedingly, an exceedingly great city, a three days' walk. Then Jonah began to go through the city one day's walk and cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Then the people of Nineveh believed in God, and they called a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe from him, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat on ashes. He issued a proclamation, and it said, In Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let man, beast, herd, or flock taste a thing. Do not let them eat or drink water. But both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth, and let, them, let the men call on God earnestly, that each may turn from his wicked way and from the violence which is in his hands. Who knows, God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger so that we will not perish. When God saw their deeds, that they turned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity which he then declared, and he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. You see that a nation that listened to God, a nation that was, according to Jonah, he felt that they did not deserve repentance. But they did. They repented. They repented in such a way that God saw it and honored it. And it says in chapter 4, verse 1, It greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry. What? Now, how does that apply to today? How does that apply to us? I'm greatly displeased at what our government's done and all the things that it's trying to... And I don't think it's one government official, by the way, that you could blame for all this. But it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's more of... A confirmation man's government is flawed right and what happens is is when it does all these things like, like it's done you see it and you go oh my gosh right it just turns into this just this amazing thing right that it's turned into I could see myself a little bit like Jonah just being absolutely upset just like Jonah didn't think that Nineveh deserved repentance have you ever thought about it for this standpoint is that 
this country and all that we have experienced is exactly what God prescribed for us. Why would he do that? Because you and I don't respond to being fat, dumb, and happy. You know, hey, when life's good, hey, job markets are great. I got a job. I got this. I got extra cash. All these other kind of things. What do we respond to? Challenges. When things are threatened to be taken away from us. Sometimes, you know, I don't know. Like God's used those kind of predicaments before to get his people's attention. Oh, I don't know. Maybe about the entire Old Testament when he dealt with his people. He said, I'm going to get your attention. Huh? What do you mean? I'm going to get your attention. Because guess what? Speaking, generally speaking, from all the prophets that he had in the Old Testament, how many of them listened to him? Very rarely. Every once in a while it did happen. But generally speaking, it had to come about that the prophet, everything that he prophesied for them and said, look, I need you guys to do this. In mass, the people did not listen most of the time. Why? Because we're pig-headed and stubborn. And the truth is, in order for us to appreciate what we do have, it has to be taken away from us sometimes. Or the threat has to be real enough that those things can be taken away from us to truly appreciate how good our God is. For us to truly appreciate the country that God has placed us in. There's no better country, in my personal opinion, as I understand it, in this world to live in than right here. God's given us the opportunity to say, well, government this and government... Listen, you say you just talked about it. Yes, but we have the freedom to do that. This is America. But we can use this as an opportunity to sit back and hide in the shadows and go, well, just wait till it's... No. You proclaim the gospel. May it be a revival in all of our hearts. May it be a rejuvenation in our, in our, in our desire to serve God. So that when we see the repentance, and this is the opportunity that you look at and go, oh my gosh, Jonah and Nineveh, here we go. Yes, absolutely. It is an opportunity in which our nation can repent. It is an opportunity that people, I've had conversations with people about church and being able to go to church and doing those kind of things that really don't really have a desire, didn't before anyways, to go to church. But now they're like, hey, I think I'm going to show up. Because those liberties and freedoms were taken from them. We must be the answer for them. And not that it's we in and of ourselves, but it's the gospel message of Jesus Christ. His salvation, his grace, his mercy and compassion is displayed in our lives. But do not lose focus. This is not, this is not believe me when I say this, that when we come back and when we do the things, it is not a return to the way we've always done things. There are things that change in all of our lives. There's things that changes in our country. And so we must understand and recognize and repent so that we can be rejuvenated and that we can receive the revival that God has placed before us. There is an awesome opportunity of a revival in this country and in our community. To do things better, to do things more dynamic, to be more dynamic, to spread the gospel, to share the, the gospel message. Boy, I tell you what, there's nothing better to have a, a challenge or a tribulation like this come up. Do you go, man, I love my God. 
I love my God. Because man has proven over and over again, and we've just had a giant case study where man will absolutely, without question, fail us. The greatest country in the world, the greatest country has come to a screeching halt. That is a testimony of how big our God is. Because God hasn't stopped. His message hasn't stopped. There are a lot of people not talking about it as much anymore. We're, we're being forced in, into corners to do it. But our God is bigger than this country. And our serving him, brethren, is a, a tremendous opportunity. May we be rejuvenated and refreshed and ready. And may there be a revival amongst all of us, brethren. Love you all. Have a good day.